0: Hello, hello to all my readers and listeners. This is Karen Hunt, aka KH with a new essay for you. It's a bit of a long one, and it's been a while, I think about a week since I did my last essay. That's because I've been pretty busy here in um, in Costa Rica. So I'm very happy to have this one completed. Uh, it's, it's very, very noisy here. <laughs> I'm hoping you won't hear some strange loud sounds of animals outside, but this place is just filled with life, insects, creatures. It's evening time now, so there's a lot of noises, but hopefully it will be okay. Anyway, it it will just add to the ambiance of what I've been writing here. This essay is called Lab Grown Meat and Babies. Fake meat, synthetic meat, Test tube meat, franken meat, clean meat. Apply the same words to human babies, and the horror of it all becomes clear. So before I continue, I would like to first thank all my readers and listeners. Without your support, I could not spend the long hours needed to research, write, and record my essays, articles, and interviews, nor could I offer them without a paywall. So, if you haven't yet, please consider becoming a free or especially a paid subscriber. And you can also give one time or recurring donations made to coffee, and I have links to both of those in the body of my essay. All right, so let's carry on. Imagine a world where you will never have to kill an animal in order to eat its flesh and women will never have to go through childbirth in order to bear babies. Humanity will be transformed into something new. It wasn't long ago that such talk was in the realm of fiction. Now we are making it all come true. Our ancestors believed in fairy tales. We believe in science. Most of us have heard the old stories of creation a million times. We have heard variations of these stories in church or temple or in a mosque. We have heard them in books and movies. We have heard them in poems. We have have heard them when we have done something wrong and we have heard warnings from our parents and grandparents. The 20th and 21st centuries have seen a concerted effort to debunk these stories to convince children that their parents and grandparents are fools for believing them, that science has all the answers and those answers contradict traditional faiths. New stories are now replacing the old ones. These new stories are being told to us by the elites and their servants, the academics, the entertainers, the media, the scientists, the teachers. All those old stories are bad. They are what kept us from achieving true freedom, immortality in fact. Those ridiculous stories from ancient books like the Bible, the Quran, the Talmud, bound us to the will of an angry God who cast Adam and Eve out of the garden. (laughs) Hear that, hear that animal? I don't know what that animal is all because they disobeyed God's unreasonable command to not eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We were led to believe that due to Adam and Eve's rebellion, a curse came upon us all. As a result, it was decreed in Genesis 3 for men, In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And for women, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children, your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Well, nobody likes these verses, especially not women, but all we have to do is to look around us and we see the truth of them played out over and over throughout history. We live in pain. We work to try and better our lives. If we are lucky, we have moments of pleasure in between the pain and the work. We fight amongst ourselves for a little better position over our rivals, and then, whether suddenly or after many years, death relieves us of that struggle, and we return to the dust from whence we came. Surely there is a way out from this curse of pain, struggle, and death. Instead of returning to the God who created us and admitting our fault um, and stopping this futile rebellion, humanity continues on its destructive path, still believing the lie of Satan that surely you shall not die. Surely, if we just fill our heads with enough information, we will stumble upon the key to outsmarting God, find our way back into the garden, and take what we believe is rightfully ours for there is another tree in the garden the tree of life after the fall of adam and eve god set cherubim with flaming swords to guard it lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever live forever this is the crux of the matter This is what the elites seek for themselves. They would have us believe they care about our well-being when all they really want is for us to aid them in achieving their insane goal of immortality. In order to do this, they must convince us that the old stories are lies. They have new stories with which to indoctrinate us. You can augment yourself. You can change your sex. You can become part machine. A virtual world is preferable to a real one. A man can give birth and breastfeed a baby. A woman can order her baby from a catalog. A group of people can have a baby that shares their genetic traits. Life can be created without God. In fact, God never existed. And even if he, she, it did, God is dead or soon will be. Science is God. All of this will never work, of course, but the elites think it will. All their worldly wealth is made, has made them so delusional that they actually believe they are near to discovering the secret of life. The stakes were never higher. They are willing to do, they are willing to do anything to cross that final bridge, even if it means destroying every last person plant, and animal along the way. If uploading themselves into the cloud and leaving the peons behind is the answer, they will do it. If they can build a spaceship to Mars, feeding off our flesh and blood along the way, they will do it. If they can cut our fetuses into pieces, grind their organs and siphon off the lifeblood to create lab babies, they will do it. All to unlock the secret to the tree of life. One of the most recent lies they are telling us is that they have found a way to grow meat without killing animals. If they can get us to accept eating this type of food, the next step will be convincing us to give up our ability to bear our own children and allow them to be grown in labs just like meat. If we agree to this, babies will become another form of meat, no different from any other animal. If we can be convinced that we are not made in God's image, then we are just masses of flesh and blood, and there is no moral or ethical problem with experimenting on us to reach their lofty goals. The elites hate God's natural order. The purpose of modern science is to destroy that natural order and replace it with a new order made by man. And what a mess they have made of it too. We keep animals in horrible, dirty, overcrowded conditions where they spread disease amongst themselves. We manufacture products of convenience using toxic substances. We destroy our own bodies with degenerate and unhealthy practices. But rather than admitting our fault and going back to the natural order that God intended, the experts tell us they have new and improved ways to solve problems, like pumping animals and humans full of antibiotics and vaccines, and then... When that makes matters even worse, they say the answer is to grow meat and babies in sterile labs. People who live in villages will never accept such insanity. They are still connected to the natural order of the world. This is why it is necessary to create new cities and move everyone into them so that eventually no one will remember the old natural ways. I have lived in villages all my life. The first time was when I was 10 years old and we lived in a village near Lausanne, Switzerland. This was in 1966. I would go to the farmer with a milk jug and get fresh milk from the cows. Mom would let it sit for a while and then skim the cream from the top. Dad loved to make apple pies from the apples that we got from nearby orchards. There was food in abundance naturally grown on the land surrounding where we lived. There were no avocados from California or sushi from Japan, and we didn't miss it. We didn't know we were supposed to miss it. In the old days, people ate the food that grew where they lived. I've never heard anyone in authority talk about this, but I have often wondered— How do we know we aren't hurting our bodies by not following the natural cycle of planting, harvesting, and eating what naturally grows in the region where we live? When I lived in Slovenia, what was then part of communist Yugoslavia in the 1980s, we harvested the fruit and vegetables from the garden and ate what was in season, then put the rest in the basement, dried some, made jams, juices, Everything was recycled. Even the eggshells were ground up to give back to the chickens. There was one small bucket in the back for trash that was then taken to a larger bin for the entire village and burned. If I wanted a bath, I had to make a fire under the hot water heater. In the winter, I had to go to the barn and collect coal and chop wood and take it in buckets to my bedroom to stoke the fire in the old tile stove. I can tell you, I appreciated the warmth of that stove once it got going. I would put my stocking feet on the tiles and feel that warmth traveling up my legs. It felt so good. I would dry my clothes (coughs) that I had washed by hand on those stoves and keep A drink warm on the ledge, excuse me. Nobody in the village liked killing their chickens. No one except an odd woman just down the street who didn't mind wringing their necks. Most people would call her to do the unpleasant deed. Apparently, many years before, her husband had hung himself in the attic. Now, here she was, happily wringing chickens' necks on a regular basis understandably, there was quite a bit of whispered speculation about what had really happened to her husband. It was like an Agatha Christie novel, I thought. We talk about the horrors of surveillance now, but nobody gets away with much of anything in the village. A man can't sneak over to his neighbor's house to have an affair with a wife, for example. What happens in the village isn't really surveillance, it's more like accountability. It's not a perfect life. It can be harsh and cruel at times, but even under communism, I felt freer in that village than I did in Los Angeles. Always when I went back to visit, I braced myself against the onslaught of advertisements on billboards and TV ads. It all started with advertising back in those days, brainwashing people, even children, into believing that the only way to be happy was to buy something new. Of course, this was another lie. People had to keep on buying and buying. I credit village life for making me unsusceptible to those lies and giving me an appreciation for the simple life without so many useless things. Our world is built upon a perfectly balanced natural order. The would-be gods of this earth hate that natural order because it is beyond their control. Now at last all the brainwashing is paying off. We are being told that we can take that control from God and put it into our own hands. We can live forever, not in some pie-in-the-sky heaven like we have always been told, but right here, in this life, right now. We must believe the audacious lie that all these experiments being conducted upon us, like the mRNA vaccines, are for our own good. They will pay off by making us healthier and happier if we just have faith in our overlords and their scientific experts. Yuval Noah Harari, prophet of the World Economic Forum, ironically exposes the lies of the elites when he says, in 2012, about 56 million people died throughout the world. 620,000 of them died due to human violence, war killed 120,000 people, and crime killed another 500,000. In contrast, 800,000 people committed suicide, and 1.5 million died of diabetes. Wow. Yet paradoxically, in the next breath, he tells us, we are upgrading humans into gods. These are the blatant contradictions we are fed that are meant to muddle our thinking. Most people shrug and accept the lies. They make us feel good, while the truth of God's word is far too unpleasant. If the elite succeed, we won't have to face God and admit our faults. For this reason, most people are willing to accept the latest insane outrage. Like clean meat grown in huge vats are better for us than meat from cows grazing on the mountainside. We are supposed to accept that eating is no more than a clinical process. We do not need to give thanks for our food. We do not need to sit as a family and commune together over a meal. There is no spiritual connection between the land and our food and us. No wonder people are experiencing more and more digestive problems. The spiritual aspect in every area of our lives is being replaced with clinical soulless scientific theories. In 2020, a state of the industry report found that in the first half of 2021, more than $600 million was invested in lab-grown meat. The same cast of sleazy billionaires that invested into mRNA vaccines are investing into this industry too. Elites like Bill Gates, Richard Branson, Kimball Musk, Sergey Brin, Peter Thiel, and John Mackey have all pitched in with more and more companies jumping on board. Recently, a startup called Type, intent on creating cell-based salmon, announced a $100 million infusion from investors including Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert Downey Jr. Just a year ago, Elon Musk's SpaceX sent a four-member private crew into space to conduct experiments on fake meat. They, they all want in on the profits. They want you to believe it is all for your health and safety. What they don't want you to know is how it is made and the real reasons why they want you to eat it. The blood of unborn cow fetuses or fetal bovine serum, FBS, is extracted from their mothers after slaughter and used to grow the meat in labs. You can find out more about it in a Mother Jones article titled, The Bloody Secret Behind Lab Grown Meat. Slate Magazine describes the process of extracting FBS from cows in gruesome detail. If a cow coming for slaughter happens to be pregnant, the cow is slaughtered and bled, and then the fetus is removed from its mother and brought into a blood collection room. The fetus, which remains alive during the following process to ensure blood quality, has a needle inserted into its heart. Its blood is then drained until the fetus dies, a death that usually takes about five minutes. This blood is then refined, and the resulting extract is FBS. Millions of fetuses are slaughtered this way. Most dairy cows, which are kept pregnant to ensure milk production, are eventually slaughtered too. Estimates put the percentage of slaughtered dairy cows found to be pregnant between 17 and 31%. Well, at least they won't be injecting lab-grown meat with antibiotics, right? According to the World Health Organization, at least 700,000 people die each year from antibiotic-resistant infections a number that could soar to 10 million by 2050 if factory farming continues to be the norm. Fortunately, lab-grown meat is pretty resilient against bacteria like E. coli on its own, and as such would require fewer antibiotics. Wait, what? They will still be injecting this lab meat with antibiotics, just fewer? How much fewer? And what about the natural microbes contained in real food? How will those grow in such a sterile environment? A cow isn't just a mass of meat. It is a perfectly balanced animal, complete with intestines, with organisms, both good and bad. Will humans eventually have no exposure to these natural organisms? It is that exposure that helps us build immunity to diseases. Will we soon lose all of our natural immunity to diseases? Will the outside world become so dangerous we can no longer live in it? But isn't this what the elite want? To put us into smart cities and make us dependent on them for our every need. The FDA is making it harder and harder to buy and sell natural raw products like milk or butter. We are told these healthy foods are unsafe, but fake Lap grown meat is Vital microbes are passed from mother to child during birth via breast milk and skin contact this has been going on down through the generations and they now want it to stop we already know that we are losing these microbes at a dangerous rate due to our unhealthy lifestyle our diet our obsession with cleanliness and our use of antibiotics And now we are being told that by producing fake meat grown under tightly controlled and regulated sterile conditions, we will be ensured that it has a low microbial content and is cleaner than farmed meat. Don't they know that there is such a thing as being too clean? I've been in the rainforest of Costa Rica for over a month now. There is a little German restaurant that sells the most delicious pastries, but they are all sitting out without covers and the occasional fly lands on them. When I asked the owner about this, he told me with great vigor, don't worry about it. If you worry, you will have indigestion, and these flies won't hurt you. They will make your immune system stronger. I tried to imagine someone saying this in a bakery back in Los Angeles. The thought was hilarious. It would never happen. And if it did, someone would report them to the regulators to the health regulators. They would be shut down, although I still have to admit I don't like flies on my food. When I lived in Luxor, Egypt during the pandemic, the local villagers pooh pooed COVID. We are very strong, they said. We can drink the water of the Nile. We don't believe in COVID. It will never harm us. Again, it was true. I could never drink the water from the Nile. My insides couldn't handle it, and I would become terribly ill, but they could. A fascinating article, Unlocking the Gut, tells us how bad that sterile environment actually is for us and how amazing our guts are. The gut microbiome is the most important scientific discovery for human healthcare in recent decades, says James Kinross, a microbiome scientist and surgeon at Imperial College London. We discovered it, or rediscovered it, in the age of genetic sequencing less than 15 years ago the only organ which is bigger than the liver. And for all that the internet may be full of probiotic or wellness companies making big health claims about gut health, we don't really know how it works, he says. At the risk of sounding like the late Donald Rumsfeld, there's what we know, what we think we know, and an awful lot that we don't yet have a clue about. Your gut microbiome weighs about two kilograms and is bigger than the average human brain. It's a bustling community of trillions of bacteria, archaea, archaea, fungi, and viruses, containing at least 150 times more genes than the human genome. We are filled to the brim with microbes, which form microbiomes on our skin, in our mouths, lungs, eyes, and reproductive systems. These have co-evolved alongside us since the beginning of human history. But the guts is the largest and most significant of our short and long-term health. It is massively complex, and its residents vary enormously from person to person. Truly, our bodies are beautifully made. They are perfectly balanced with the environment around us, but we are destroying that balance. Well, how about lab-grown meat, climate change, and water pollution? In 2019, A 2019 BBC article says scientists warned that growing meat in a laboratory may do more damage to the climate in the long run than meat from cattle. Hold on. We have been assured that lab-grown meat greatly reduces the methane released into the atmosphere by cows. Yet this is nothing more than another one of their cleverly worded half-truths. Researchers from the Oxford Martin School looked at the long-term climate implications of cultured meat versus meat from cattle. The scientists say that previous studies had tended to look at the various emissions from cattle and converted them all to their carbon dioxide equivalent. The team says this doesn't give you the full picture as methane and nitrous oxide have different impacts on the climate. Per ton emitted, Methane has a much larger warming impact than carbon dioxide. However, it only remains in the atmosphere for about 12 years, whereas carbon dioxide persists and accumulates for millennia, said co-author Professor Raymond-Pierre Humbert. This means methane's impact on long-term warming is not cumulative and is impacted greatly if emissions increase or decrease over time. The scientist's climate model found that in some circumstances, and over the very long term, the manufacture of lab meat can result in more warming. This is because the emissions from the lab are related to the production of energy, which is almost entirely made up of carbon dioxide, which persists in the atmosphere for hundreds of years. How about water pollution? Studies have shown that artificial meat may result in the presence of organic or chemical molecule residues in water. This is because the growth process needs to produce huge amounts of chemical and organic molecules, such as hormones, growth factors, to add to the culture medium to grow the meat, said Professor Jean-Francois Hoquette at the French National Institute for Agricultural Research. Now, as if these problems weren't enough, eco-business warns us about the dangers of bacteria and plastic in lab-grown meat. Animals have an immune system that naturally protects them against bacterial and other infections. This is not the case for cell culture, and in a nutrient-rich environment, bacteria multiply much faster than animal cells. To avoid producing a steak made up of more bacteria than meat, it is essential to avoid contamination and that requires a high level of sterility. In the pharmaceutical industry, cell cultures are carried out in highly controlled and sanitized clean rooms. Sterility is most often guaranteed by using disposable plastic materials. This significantly reduces the risk of t- contamination, but generates plastic waste, whose level in ecosystems is already alarming. Some of the culture, culture materials are made of stainless steel and can thus be steam sterilized or washed with detergents, but these treatments also have an environmental cost. While few studies have been done on the environmental impact of the pharmaceutical industry, the available data suggests that its carbon footprint may be 55% higher than that of the automotive industry. Wow. If this is all true, and they know it, why are they so intent on making us eat this horrible stuff? because it desensitizes us to the next, much more important step in the quest for immortality, making lab-grown babies. The underlying purpose of conditioning people to accept the process for making clean meat is so that people will accept essentially the same process for making clean babies. We are already being programmed to feel no shock or disgust at people cutting off body parts in order to change their sex. Surely making lab-grown babies can't be any worse. While living in Egypt, I was shocked to find out that female genital mutilation was still treated as normal, even healthy for a girl. I found it very hard to understand how anyone could believe this, especially mothers who had experienced it for themselves. How could they turn around and do it to their daughters? But they truly believed it was the right thing to do. Girls were unclean without FGM, unsuitable for marriage. The mutilation of our children for the sake of changing their sex is no different than FGM. In fact, it is worse. At least girls who experience FGM can still bear children, well, most of them anyway. But children who are cut up and put on hormones will never be able to bear children. This is the goal to make us sterile. How is it that people accept how is it that people accept this obvious evil being done to them? Sadly, most people will accept almost any abuse to their minds and bodies if they have been brainwashed very carefully over a long period of time to believe it is for their health and safety. And I have here a, a photo of the cover of New York magazine. And, um, uh, well, it's actually a woman called Gabriel Mack, a mentally disturbed woman who mutilated herself in order to become a man is shown on the cover. It's quite a shocking picture. This idea that we can somehow change God's natural order by cutting ourselves up is a lie of the elites to get ordinary people to allow themselves to be experimented on. And certainly this very disturbed woman has allowed that to happen to her. A USA Today article titled Babies Without Sex encourages us to move beyond our search for the perfect steak or the perfect chicken breast and apply similar technology to our search for the perfect human. The perfect race, perfect body, perfect generation is not science fiction," says Amrita Pande, a sociologist at the University of Cape Town in South Africa. All of this explains the intense push for transgenderism we are experiencing now. This is why they shove down our throats their insistence that men can have babies and breastfeed them. This is why the statue above that I show in the picture here, in my essay here of a man attempting to breastfeed a baby has been placed outside the Gender Museum in Denmark, which was previously known as the Women's Museum. It is why the insulting advertisements of a flat-chested male social media star named Dylan Mulvaney can model Nike sports bras, even though he has no idea what it means to have to wear a bra to support breasts while doing it. It's complete madness, and it's meant to be that way. If the powers that be can can convince ordinary people to accept insanity as normal, then it will be that much easier to get them to accept the horrors of experimentation in the elite's quest to gain immortality for themselves. The new promise for achieving lab-grown babies is called in vitro gametogenesis, or IVG. IVG technology would allow same-sex couples to have children who are biologically related to both of them, allow single individuals to procreate without the genetic contribution of another individual, and facilitate multiplex parenting where groups of more than two individuals procreate, uh, uh, procreate together, producing children that are the genetic progeny of them all. IVG could also make prenatal selection a much more refined and comprehensive process than it is today, allowing for the selection of embryos on the basis of multiple factors. Most importantly for the transhumanists, IVG would enable the possibility to perfect reproduction by screening out diseases and negative personality traits. Naturally, the ethicists are once again concerned, but that won't stop anything eugenics has never been so lauded without anyone actually using that dirty word the usual cast of billionaires is again funding these efforts an mit article how silicon valley hatched a plan to turn blood into human eggs tells us that silicon valley billionaires including sam altman the ceo of open ai and former president of y combinator jan Tilin, one of the founders of skype and Blake Borgensen, a co-founder of Recursion Pharmaceuticals, are investing in a company called Inception, which is the largest commercial venture pursuing what's called in vitro gametogenesis, which refers to turning adult cells into game eats I'm not sure how to pronounce that, sperm or egg cells. Matt Kryzoloff is the young man who created conception around this technology. And I have a picture of him there, and honestly, he, he really looks like he's about 16 years old. Chrysoloff isn't a biologist, but he knew theoretically that a cell from a man could be turned into an egg. Being gay, he had an added incentive to make this happen. If it were ever possible, two men could have a child that was genetically related to both. Just like we have found with lab-grown meat, what do you suppose is required for the process of making eggs from stem cells? Human fetal tissue. The horrors of what happens to cow fetuses can be applied to human fetuses, but it's all worth it for the exciting advances we can achieve, or so we are told. Conception opens the door not only for same-sex reproduction, but perhaps even for one individual or four to generate an offspring. Because the technology can turn eggs into a manufactured resource, it could supercharge the path to designer children. If doctors can make a thousand eggs for a patient, they'll also be able to fertilize all of them and test to find the best resulting embryos, scoring their genes for future health or intelligence. Such a laboratory process would also permit unfeathered genetic editing with DNA engineering tools such as CRISPR. As Conception put it in a pitch sent out earlier this year, the company anticipates that artificial eggs could allow wide-scale genomic selection and editing in embryos like all ambitious businessmen who dream of becoming the billionaire at the top of the heap chrissaloff wants to make money and lots of it he wants to produce a human egg and a patented process for making them he doesn't see ethics or complex liabilities like who is to blame for any eventual baby isn't normal if any eventual baby isn't normal as problems that's all par for the course no great breakthrough in science has ever come without challenges Hard scientific discoveries can come about faster in commercial settings, Krasilov says. There could be a lot more funding if people turned research organizations into for-profit entities. I am a big believer in more basic research going on in a company context. Why do people put up with these obvious lies and the pompous billionaires who spread them? because most people would rather trust the lies of billionaires than admit the truth of the old stories that we once all instinctually knew were true. Most of us don't want to bow to God's authority any more than the billionaires do. We don't want to admit the worst thing of all, that if we had been in that garden, we would have done the exact same thing as Adam and Eve. We would have rebelled, and it would have been our own fault. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all responsible for our own lives and the decisions we make. But surely the elite will win in the end. They will find their way back into the garden, destroy the cherubim, and eat of the tree of life. And then they will will turn around to the rest of humanity, all the little people they experimented on to reach their goals, and feed them a morsel of immortality too. Fake meat, synthetic meat, test tube meat, Franken meat, clean meat. Apply the same words to human babies and the horror of it all becomes clear. Fake babies, synthetic babies, test tube babies, Franken babies, clean babies. If ever there was a time when we needed to open our mouths and proclaim the truth, that time is now. People always say to me, but what can we do? The only thing that will ever work. Fearlessly expose these lies to the people around you. Send them this essay. Maybe they won't read it. Maybe they won't listen. But keep on telling them anyway. And even more importantly, set an example by the healthy life you live. Show them by your actions that you aren't messing around. You aren't a hypocrite. You live by the words you say. All right, and that's the end of this essay. Thank you so much for listening, for reading. God bless you all. Have a great evening, and see you next time.